Hey everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, where we bring you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you to help you connect with where your passion meets the world's deep need. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Dorothy Smith Hubbard, pastor of Community of Love, UMC in Angleton, Texas. In this episode, we talk about her journey from her calling to be a pastor to why she wrote Reducing Anxiety of Persons Practicing Pastoral Care and ways we can establish a healthy personal identity. So I wanted to let you know that we had some audio issues with this recording that were completely my fault as just um, learning. And so our audio technician worked some magic and so we're able to share that with you but it's not our normal production quality but this conversation was too good not to share with you so I hope you enjoy it let's listen so excited to get to talk to you today I so so enjoyed meeting you a few weeks ago and was just delighted when it worked out that we could talk oh it was it was a blessing you are such a, a gift to the body of Christ Oh, well, thank you. I really enjoyed what you had to talk about um, regarding your own journey in pastoral ministry. um, Yes. And your book, um, Reducing Anxiety of Persons Practicing Pastoral Care, too. And so I enjoyed reading that, Um, especially this may not have been your main point, but one of the things that stood out to me in your book was being a non-anxious presence. Yes. Valuing your own ideas, respecting those of others. Um, and this isn't exactly what you were talking about, but it helped me see things. Um, we're doing like a family vacation. This right. So there's me and my uh-huh. husband and my parents and some cousins I've never met before. And I was getting all like stressed yes. out. I'm like, I have yes. to make everybody happy, which was not making yes. me happy. And I absolutely your words like were so, so helpful because I was like, okay. We're going to do what's best for us. We're not going to intentionally make other people mad, but I'm going to stop being anxious and stop trying to please 15 people and just being like, this is what we're doing. So it was really timely for me. Well, you know, we uh, people have uh, expectations for us and um, we want to please and we want to make everyone happy. And that's a good goal. But the non-anxious presence, when you have the presence of God in your life, you have got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so uh, practicing that grace, sometimes it can be difficult, but you got to be in touch with how you can maintain your own inner peace and not be anxious and reduce the anxiety by being okay with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Being okay if other people aren't okay because I'm okay. <laughs> right. Because sometimes people have unrealistic expectations of us. And sometimes we have taught them how to treat us. And sometimes we need to rethink, okay, how can we have a win-win situation? Mm-hmm. I can give them this part of me, but I can't give them that part of me because that belongs to my husband. Right. <laughs> right. And keeping uh, priorities and a balance and still having fun, even if others have to adjust to you focusing on what's going to bring peace for yourself and the whole group. Mm-hmm. For me right now, it's learning how to be a grown-up. Um, yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because we haven't been married that long and I've been a grown up 
like before we got married, but it's a grown up <laughs> in a new way now, you know, like transitioning from being my parents' daughter to my husband's wife, you know, and vice versa. It's like a most of the time. Yeah, you know, it, it is a shift. I uh, say something uh, in reference to that in my book about uh, you have a rose and when you hold that rose, you have to make sure that you guide your fingers through where it does not prick you with the thorns. In life, there are there is a wonderful fragrance that comes from a rose in our journey, but then there's also the thorns that can prick us. And when you are making this transition from allowing your parents to understand there's been a shift in the paradigm mm -hmm. that you, yes, you will always be their daughter, but you are a grown woman. Mm -hmm. And so you are able to make those choices. And also not only that role, but now you're a wife. And so therefore it's like you have uh, trying to please your husband and your parents and your family and your friends. And it can get somewhat overwhelming if you don't stay in touch with who you are. Right. And, and right. reducing anxiety, you know, anxiety is a state of uneasiness or apprehension or being worried about uh, things. And sometimes most of the things that we worry about doesn't even happen. Right. And so my right. book addresses how important it is in your Christian formation of when you were growing up and developing, I think you were a very good, respectful uh, child. Because I can tell by your demeanor, you are concerned about what your parents think and feel. And so that's a good quality. So you have to value that. But at the same time, you have to give yourself time to, uh, to say, it's okay if they don't understand. And I'm not going to be anxious about it. I'm not going to stress out about it. It's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. So... That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, but I want to talk about um, you a little bit today, too, not just me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, when you came a few weeks ago, you shared about your um, journey in pastoral ministry. And so I was hoping right. to start out by you sharing how you were called to ministry. And I'll interject some questions, but that's kind of where I'd like to go today, like your call and pastoral ministry, how you came to be where you are today, and then also how writing your book was kind of a healing process for you and helped you find your own identity. Okay, well, so I you don't have to um, like remember all of that. I'll like promise, okay. <laughs> but I want to give you an overview. Of, like, okay, okay. To address your first question, um, I was a middle child of a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so being a middle child, you are seen normally and not heard because the older child gets all the attention and the younger child gets all the attention. Mm -hmm. So I was always trying to get along and make peace with everybody most of my life. Yeah. And so when my father, who served 47 years as a Baptist minister. We had to go to church every Sunday. We had to play the part, uh, walk in the role of a preacher's kid. And so I knew that the word of God has been in me ever since a child, but I was willing to kind of stay in the background mm -hmm. and just help others. And then I remember when uh, I went to hear a Methodist woman preacher when I was in my 20s. And 
I sat down after that meeting and I heard in my inner spirit, that's what I want you to do. And I said, excuse me, want me to do what? You know, And it was, I want you to teach. I want you to preach. Well, when my uh, uh, nephew passed uh, from having cancer and I had to support and I chose to support my sister in that journey, I went to the hospital. I had never, ever seen a hospital woman chaplain before. Uh-huh. And so she came to the bedside to offer sacraments to my nephew. And at that point, I said, that sounds like a good idea. I can go into chaplaincy because that will cover every aspect of pastoral care because I had been doing my research, Heidi. And so I went into chaplaincy and became a hospital chaplain for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that um, God began to, well, I didn't decide. He decided that he wanted me to move into that arena and get more uh, focused on school. And that's when I began to go to Asbury. And during my Christian formation at Asbury, it was awesome. I love Asbury Theological Seminary because that Christian formation piece transformed my life and helped me to understand I am definitely called to the fivefold ministry in Ephesians. And so therefore, God uses us uh, in what venue he wants us to be used in. For instance, and I'll use your example. You are a born again Christian and you love the Lord, but you also uh, have been a student and you also uh, in ministry to uh, to your husband and to your family, and and you're also called specifically. And sometimes that gets all mixed up. It's not making any kind of sense. Okay, but in my Christian formation, I found out that as a child in my journey, and Christian formation is also in my book. And you're saying, how did I get from point A to point B? How did the book come about? It came about with the inner desire to understand. What's going on with me? I think most people get into pastoral counseling trying to focus on the answer questions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Why is this going on? I want to be able to understand and to share. And that's what happened to me. I realized that I had been stuck in, uh, in, in moving forth because of some areas in my Christian formation that caused me to have anxiety and just stress out. I was having a hard time completing school. I dropped out of school when I was a child. Well, that was because of an experience that I had from an abusive situation and from a date rape. Then I went through a divorce and I got stuck with that piece. But the Christian formation that I talk about in my book, it recognizing that we all have critical journeys. And at some point in time, we hit a wall Mm -hmm. and that wall can stop us from moving forth. So now I recognize that I am a pastor, pastor, pastor. I am a pastoral counselor. I have a doctoral degree at at, at uh, Oral Roberts University, two leadership degrees at Asbury, and God uses those experiences to help me help other people and empower small groups. Absolutely. So when you were twenty, was that the first female? pastor that you had seen yes yes i because i was from a baptist background and i never real i never had seen a female 
preach in the pulpit, maybe in Sunday school, but never in a pulpit and be recognized and just was so bold. And I was afraid of that. I was shied away from that. I did other things like a Sunday school or helping with vacation Bible school or helping with different projects of other people call, but never thought about exerting influence to do that myself because I believe the, the Bible that says you need to uh, submit to authority but I didn't have a right interpretation of that. It was skewed through my eyes of fear and anxiety and wanting to make sure that the man needed to come first. Uh-huh. How did you, cause you've obviously, you're a pastor now. How did you right. get to the point where you knew it was okay to assert that authority and take that leadership? Well, first of all, there's a scripture that says that God's not any respect of persons. There's the spirit is not male or female, number one. And also the fact that I had to come into my own paradigm of recognizing my journey. And I do believe that whatever our experiences have been in life, it can shape our a paradigm of how we view ourselves and view the world. And my dad did not believe in women pastors. He did not believe in women. He taught me for 20 years. That's why I said it took about 20 some years to get to this point because I was a very respectful child like you. Oh, yeah. I wanted them to accept what I was doing and love me. And but I have always been what you would call different. You know, I've always been different and always trying to fit into everybody else's realm rather than realize that I'm okay, that God made me in so many different ways and we all are different and we all need each other. And so when my when I have to take care of my mom and dad when they were crossing over and my mom had Alzheimer's and I was in school and I was ripping and running back and forth and then when my dad crossed over this is what he told me and I I remember this today he said okay I want you to open up the service I said well dad we are in a hospital he said but in his mind he was in the church mm-hmm. and he said open up the service and do the scripture and prayer. And at that point, I knew that he was sanctioning me to move forth. And so all of the the, the anxiety, uh, not wanting to disrespect him by being a woman pastor, wanting to honor him, God allowed me to uh, receive that mantle at that time. What a gift. I, I went into the pastoral role as far as a pastor of a local church after that in the United Methodist uh, a conference. What a gift gift from your dad to recognize the gifts in you and to bless that, even though it kind of went against what he had believed, but to recognize it. Because I found, you know, like um, with my parents, some of the things that have come up is like, when your child wants to do it, it makes you rethink maybe some of the things you've thought before. And I think that's beautiful. Well, the wonderful thing about it is my dad got a chance to meet Ellsworth Callis, who was very important in my life, he and his wife, and they came to my graduation. And my dad recognized the fact that here you have a powerful man of God that loves the Lord, uh, that he embraces my call in ministry. So there were several different um, people of God that came into his circle that he realized that he had to rethink what his traditional mindset concerning women were. Yeah. 
Yeah. But how empowering for you to yes. be able to, yes. to move on with a blessing. Yes, that's right. And he did give me that blessing and that mantle. And I, I really honor that. And he went to some of my ministry trips with me prior to him uh, uh, getting ill. And that was a wonderful opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. I remember we went up to this uh, Missouri pastor one time and they had called me to come down and do a revival. And then in the middle of the revival, the pastor asked me, could my father minister instead of me? And I said, sure. And so my dad ministered and taught and he was so blessed. And then he came up to me, Heidi, afterwards and said, do I get to keep the love offering? I said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so then how did you come to Asbury Seminary? That's another experience. Um, my mentor, Rick Gray, came to a Baptist church of some colleagues of mine and gave a presentation about Asbury. And I was so overwhelmed and, and brought to conviction that I need to check out the school. And so I went and checked out the school and at chapel service, I was at the altar and I wept because I never knew there was such a, a facility that really, really you felt the presence of God when you walked on the grounds. And it was just a phenomenal uh, experience for me. And from that point, I enrolled and got into school and it was a tremendous journey for me, especially meeting all of the professors that love the Lord and leadership classes that I was a part of. Were, that was the uh, area that Rick Gray was in leadership there at Asbury and Wilmore. And so he walked with me as well as uh, Dr. Bauer, awesome a professor of God, Simmons, and so many others. It was such a blessing. Uh, Stephen, uh, that's a counseling ministry, uh, Professor Stephen, and he was such a blessing. So a lot of them really helped me tremendously. Well, I'm glad to hear that. What is a moment that yeah. you especially remember from your time at Asbury? I believe, I remember I went to uh, Professor Simmons' class. And I was there, you know, because I was used to being seen, you know, and not heard, you know, not making my voice known. And I was listening and I was so excited about it. And he called upon me to pray in class. And I was like, you want me to pray in class? I was like, you have got to be kidding. Out of all these other students that you have here. And I prayed in class and the spirit of God just moved on the class. And it's totally the spirit of God using a, a, a vessel as we empty ourselves out. And it was a it was a phenomenal class period, and it was such a blessing. Mm. That's a and I remember another yeah, I remember another time with Ellsworth Callis when I first met him. And this is tremendous. I was walking to to chapel, and he was walking to, and our paths connect just like on the Emmaus walk uh, that a uh, scripture in Luke. And so I was talking, he was talking back and forth. And so the Lord led me to pray for him. It was just he and I. So he said, go ahead, I need it. Uh, so I prayed for him. He said, thank you so much. And so, I mean, I was just so open and transparent and just, just giving it my whole heart without any anxiety at all. So when we got into chapel and he came up to the podium and he, he told me he was the, uh, the provost 
Oh, I do have. I got so scared. I thought now they are not going to be happy with me at school. And so after he finished, I went to him and I said, why didn't you tell me that you were the president, the provost? Why are you, you know, and I was saying, I, I'm sorry if, you know, he said, no, 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 no apology. He said, I wanted you to give it your whole heart without any reservations or titles or anything. And I was so blessed. And he said, always have that freedom to do that. And that was a teachable moment for me, not to quench the spirit. Yes, what a beautiful moment. Yes, 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 yes. And so the writing of this book has come about through years of failures that I dropped out of high school. I married prematurely, had a child, and it was just a, was in a, a marriage of a lot of abuse. And so my identity was somewhat challenged until, or I should say skewed or tainted, until I was able to get some counseling, able to go through some healing process and find out who I really was. And I realized the Christian formation piece is so important. My desire is to help people go through their journey, discern where they are, find out the areas that they may have gotten stuck in and discover for themselves the graces of God and his prevenient love and unconditional love and not walking guilt, condemnation of what happened in the past, that we are new creatures in Christ. And I did this research through a church here in Texas, and it was about close to 25 leaders. And one particular lady, she had not sung and, uh, since she was a child because of a, a abuse situation that happened to her in her childhood. And after we went through this series of eight weeks of this Christian formation, focusing on your journey, writing a time frame of what you want to do from this point on, and then reviewing what happened in your past from your birth to present, and then sharing experiences and writing and reading crisis counseling and different other books that I have to help you to grow. This lady, got up and sung a beautiful song in class and has continued to operate in the gift of music. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. So why did you then decide to put your research in, into, and you research more, like you had your own experiences, but then why did you decide to do more research to write Reducing Anxiety of Persons Practicing Pastoral Care? Well, it was, I'm glad you asked that question, Heidi, because it was five and a half years of research, and I have over 35 uh, bibliographies in the back that refer back to other authors that have uh, inserts in my book that I inserted a different footnotes so that it would uh, validate what I have found out about anxiety, how it can destroy your confidence, how it can keep you and rob you of the blessings that God has for you, how it can paralyze you to a point that you don't fulfill the calling that God has on your life, and particularly women. I, I focus on more women because we wear so many hats and we are automatically nurturers and we want to make people happy. But we have to realize we've got to get in touch with ourselves yes. and understand what yeah. God is calling for us to do. Like when I first started out, I was 
comfortable in ministry praying for the missionaries all over the world. I would lay out and just pray for the missionaries. I would clean up the bathroom. You got to be faithful where you are uh, in order for God to promote you. And so as I was faithful and content where I was, then God began to give me this desire, this appetite to learn more and more and more. Oh, no, you may have been going to get to this, but how did you put your study together then? Tell me about your research project. Okay, my research project, uh, first of the concept of reducing anxiety, I ran some research uh, 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 on the fact of ministries and people that are dealing with anxiety and how that affects you. And I realized that over 70% of people that are called into ministry, they deal with stress. Most of the time they feel like they're looking, they're in a, 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 they're in a glass uh, house where it's like a fishbowl and they are having to deal with, with people looking at them under a microscope. Mm -hmm. I found out that not know how many people never fulfill their call because they are so full of anxiety. That's what led me to it. I did research on that first. And then I had to pray. And my professors at Oral Roberts University, they helped me to understand uh, the, the progression of what your concept is, what you want to accomplish in the community, and how is this going to help the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that the statistics show that there is a tremendous need to reduce anxiety. This is a technological age. We're information age. We're an age where so much is going so fast around us. Mm -hmm. And we have a hard time to uh, get in touch with ourselves. The phone is a perfect example. We have that phone in the morning, noon, and night. What happened when we had the landline when we would get the voicemail and we didn't feel like we had to be on 24-7? Right. And now we answer the we text, right. we do all of this, and it keeps us hyped up all the time. Right. So how do you deal with it? You have to set proper boundaries for yourself to reduce your own anxiety. And this is what this study showed. And from me reading these different books and comparing notes and having discussion groups, I did a survey, like I said, research for three months at a church, a pastor, uh, Thaddeus Eastland and Desiree Eastland, a Hope Church, Carolina in Texas, they allowed me to do the research through some of their leaders. And from their leaders that were um, already honoring God by utilizing they, their gift, mm -hmm. now they are more effective because they got in touch with their own personal anxiety and it expanded their ministry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You also talked about in your book how it helps reduce your own anxiety and was a healing process for you. Um, the research and the writing. Um, you had this great quote from Henry Nowen that said, only Christ can break through our human alienation and restore the broken connections with each other and God. So how did this work kind of bring you through that process? I love Henry Nowen's expression of we as human beings are imperfect people serving a perfect God. Mm -hmm. And we all have areas that we have to work through. We're like a wounded healer. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote the wounded healer. And so we have to understand that the scripture says, as you give, you shall receive. And so as we uh, become more open of sharing 
our journey, the good and the bad experiences that we have to let people know that it's a process. Yes. And so want to be transparent and that's where we share our wounds, those areas that have really caused us pain and uh, hurt. You know, I share with a lot of women the uh, hurt. When I was at a church and uh, not connected with Asbury, but another church and uh, our hope early on in ministry. And I had some older people that were judging me because I was so sincere and 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 really wanted to be validated and because I was so hungry to be validated that opened up the door for people to hurt me because I wanted their approval mm-hmm. I already had been accepted with God's approval and sanction on my life I already have been conferred and ordained and 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 confirmed with leaders already but I still didn't know who I was because I had all these hurts here of past yeah. things is like scabs that were on there, not healed, but scabbed. And then one incident would come along and pull off the scab again. And I was wounded again yeah. and had to start all over. When I got to the root that it goes back to how we started this conversation, pleasers, wanting to please people at all costs, which means we want to be validated. Yeah. We, we want their acceptance. But when we realize that we're accepted of the Lord and that he loves us, then even in the midst of when people find out that we may have made mistakes, we don't get discouraged because all things work together, Romans 8, 28, for the good of those that love the Lord and called according to his purpose. So you said, how did I get on Henry now? Because he was so transparent and it helped me to understand, wow, if he can be transparent, then I can be transparent too. And I don't have to shy back from my experiences I can help somebody and maybe I can help a younger person that may take them a shorter time to recognize they're accepted and that's what I like to do I like to empower women particularly uh, men are great too but I have a heart I was a single mom uh, raised four children basically by myself went on to to care of my parents and my mom gave we resolved some things that were in our life because I stopped ministry and took care of her. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, you know. And my concern is to help the younger women thrive and excel and know that they can do it. And they can do it at a much more accelerated rate if they have a mentor or someone to come alongside of them to be their spiritual cheerleader. And let them know they can do it and, and help someone that they can process their thoughts uh, and, 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 and have conversations with that they can listen that, hey, look, it's not that bad. Right. right. So what are some ways that you are helping to empower women in your circle? Okay. With my book on reducing anxiety, I have a sil- syllabus is in the background. Yes. Uh, in, the, in the appendix. You saw those? Mm-hmm. Okay. What I do is I take them through those steps. And I have uh, four or five women at a time in small groups. And we talk about the importance of where they are. And also in July, these same women that's been working with me for years, like accountability groups. And you know, Seedbed Ministry is very focused on having groups and accountability groups. I don't call this accountability groups, but what this is is a group of a journey 
of, of wellness, a journey of your own uh, spiritual Christian formation. Uh -huh. And so I meet with these people once, these ladies once a week, and we went through nine weeks of Christian formation, dealing with what happened in their childhood, what happened in the adolescence, what happened in their adult, what happened in their relationship. And then they began to share what were the highlights and what were the low points. Yes. And when you get these women in this group together, they began to minister to one another. Yes. And they began to see the value of coming together once a week to process what's going on in their life. And so we're still doing this. I'm starting another group and there's specific groups. This group is basically dealing with ministry uh, women in ministry or design for women ministry. The next group I'm starting is a first ladies group where I've got uh, three or four different uh, first ladies from different denominations. And that's going to start in June. In July, and that's going to be a Zoom meeting. So if anybody's interested in letting, you know, knowing about the meeting, let me know. And then also, uh, I developed a workbook, which you haven't seen the workbook to go along with the book. Cool. Because uh, I had comments that said, your book is so academically based and we need to have it broken down a little bit. But, you know, there are words in there that from my thesis and my process that some of the, it, it's geared to be a textbook for uh, for uh, universities and colleges and mm -hmm. it also shares parts of stories and that's why I have the syllabus, syllabus in the back so I can train professors how to implement this in their own class mm -hmm. and so this uh, workbook comes along and just ask questions what is fear yeah do you have any fear what would you, where would you like to see yourself and it takes each chapter of the book and they read the chapter and then we go through and process it together that's incredible and like what a group to have have that connection to be able to just have the space to talk about things you're feeling and kind of reflect on your life with an auto ethnography yes. kind of approach that's right. amazing and it's a safe group we 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 uh share a code that what is in the group stays in the group and then we also have to make a commitment that we pray for each other as the spirit leads us every week until we get back together and so we're Forming in July, July the twentieth, uh, uh, we are having a um, a summit here, and basically it's this small group that I'm empowering to teach, and they're going to talk about different areas. One's going to talk about marriage. One is going to talk about starting a business. One is going to start about singleness, and. I am empowering these women. It's not featured around me sharing a lecture. These are younger women that I have that I want to empower. Yes. And when somebody speaks that over you, to recognize the gifts in other people and to speak that over you, it's amazing what you can do and what they go on to do then. Well, the scripture tells that the young, the older women should teach the younger women. But the challenge sometimes gets to be when an older woman has been in a place and a position for so long and sometimes they can feel intimidated and threatened which is a form of fear and anxiety that somebody's going to take their spot yep. but now I am already validated confirmed 
and empowered by the Holy Spirit and understand nobody can take my place just like nobody can take your place, Heidi. And when you know who you are and you know your specific calling, you can stay in your lane and you can celebrate someone else. Right. And we need more people to celebrate instead of cutting each other down and building each other up in the body of Christ. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. What were some of the specific anxieties that you had to overcome to be to be sure of your identity in Christ? I'm not sure that's the right way to word it, but do you see what I? Well, in, in the book, I go through uh, different clinical types of anxieties that we have, different phobias that we have. Some people are at a point where they may have some mental illness that they may need some medication to balance them out. And which I understand that that sometimes there's also a diet that may need to change and shift because you may be eating something that is not helping you with brains. And so uh, my personal um, anxiety level, which I shared, is dealing with fear of uh, of validation, you know, of not being accepted, fear of rejection. That rejection because of the abuse the rejection because of uh, the divorce. And so I had to get into grips with that wanting to be validated. Yeah. Uh, some people have mm-hmm. different uh, bipolar and different other type of anxieties that, you know, change with the altar of personalities. And I definitely let them know that my degree in pastoral care and counseling does not cover all forms of anxiety. Right. But I do believe mm-hmm. that the root of how these anxieties have begun, uh, not only neurologically, but they're also in how we have addressed crises in our life. Yes. Each person goes through crises, but sometimes we they come in such a way that's unexpected that we don't know how to deal with crisis. But we we all are going through something that seems to be as we go unknown to us, and so as you begin to partner with other people and begin to share. Uh, I believe it's so important to be able to process your pain. And sometimes unprocessed pain can cause us to medicate and use other means to cover up the pain rather than feel the pain, own the pain, acknowledge the hurt and process the hurts. That's been my issue of of stuffing my hurts and not processing it in a healthy way. Yes, it's important to work through it and get it out so you can heal completely. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. In your book, you also talk about branches incorporated. Is that still something that you're working with? Yes, branches is a nonprofit organization. I'm incorporated in Kentucky and Texas, uh, and it started in the 90s. And it is a corporation where I do my groups out of. Okay. And it's a nonprofit. Talking Yes, C3 is branches. Because the team of branches is what work with me to help uh, the the when I do seminars in a group. For instance, I did at a Baptist church in Kentucky recently, a pretty large Baptist church, actually a consolidated Baptist church off of Russell Cave Road in Lexington. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, flew up there and, and trained their staff and did this seminar uh, in a, actually reduced it down to the different needs that they had and talked to their staff 
about the importance of reducing anxiety and to continue working as a group. It's a dynamic pastor with Pastor Gaines. He is an awesome man of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, 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 the, the team, which uh, my husband and I, who also, praise God, I'm really happy about this. He's attending Asbury this fall. Oh, uh, nice. And he's courses. We were there for a marriage retreat and he checked it out and it was very, uh, he was so excited about it. So we're going to be coming in and out of uh, Asbury and uh, doing uh, a lot of different things. But I'm working with pastors if they want me to come in and work with their staff. I'm working with women in ministry if they feel like that they want to be empowered. I'm working to uh, make a difference with this summit so that other people can come along and move toward. And of course, we're going to have a Zoom a group meeting, like I said, for the first ladies. And uh, more Zoom meetings has re- has needed and requested. Okay, so this is kind of the overarching thing for everything you're doing, right? Exactly. Now. Okay, that's right. And, right, right. And so recently, I uh, did a. Uh, I go to different fairs and share about my books or different conferences or conventions and meet people because you have to network mm-hmm. and let people know. My book is on Amazon.com and you can get it on Westbowl.com. But my focus is to get before people, speak and share and help them grow and become all they can be in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But in addition to all of that, as if that's not enough, you're also the pastor at Community of Love Church. Is that right? That's correct. I am a local pastor. I just recently got a new assignment uh, that will start July 1st at another local church. And so um, I'm able to, to pastor and teach and empower leaders. One of the main things that I want to do is to help people matriculate through the process of uh, being local pastors and candidates uh, of service with uh, CLM's uh, Christian Lay Ministry at the United Methodist Church. Okay. So my whole focus is the, the, the mission statement of Branch is to raise up leaders to serve their church and community. Mm-hmm. So my desire is we cannot serve others until we get in touch and reduce the anxiety in ourselves. And then we can be effective. We cannot be effective if we don't have a covering in the local church like the Book of Acts and they sent them out to the community to make a difference. And so that's where my heart is. And I've gone to India and to Mexico in times past and have done women's retreats, workshops and and trained leaders. So this is my focus uh, in reference to moving forth beyond this. I need to also... I'm in the process of writing another book of my personal journey uh, and to really some of the things that we're talked about here, I kind of share so that his uh, now one indicates we need to be more transparent and make a difference given our testimony. Everybody has a story. You have a story. I have a story. You put all these stories together and then you begin to empower each other. Yes. I bet that book is fascinating. Do you have a timeline for when it's going to be published? I'm giving my focus on next year because I've been working on moving forth with this book. And, you know, I have a diary where I keep notes and focus on different aspects of my journey. And so uh, I need to uh, next year get that book out. 
Yeah. But right now, yeah. you know, it's a faith walk and yeah. you need yeah. resources to move forth. And so I'm looking for sponsors and people that are willing to partner with me in this vision. I have another exciting thing that's happening that I'm really excited about. Um, I'm taking, uh, I got a sponsor uh, to come to Kentucky and take children to the Ark Museum. Oh, and uh, yes, because I believe if we can reach children when they're smaller and give them a vision for the future and what they can accomplish, and when they go and look at this art, uh, the uh, sponsor is just so excited. We will be working with Consolidated Baptist Church to take a group of children. So if they're interested, uh, that's another avenue that we're going to do that in September. That's exciting. I, um, in doing some research about you, that that was one of the things that you were focusing on at Community of Love as well and trying to yes. Um, yes. gather more children, make them more part of the congregation. Yes. And I, I was so excited. This makes me so excited because it was a lady when I was a chaplain at VA. Mm -hmm. I uh, funeralized her husband at the National Cemetery. And we had an encounter that was a God moment. For two years, she looked and was searching for me to find me. She finally found me at this local church, Community of Love Church. She, she joined, she got baptized, and she's serving now as an usher. And she's Asian. And I was so happy because I wanted an ecumenical church that was diverse. Yes. And it was just a blessing to me. And then uh, I, we were praying and I was gathering groups and we had a talent ministry uh, in the community. And to make a long story short, uh, a little white boy, because it's a predominantly black congregation, started coming and he didn't want to come to the church with his mother's church. He wanted to come to our church because he, he wanted to hear me speak. So he sat up there and he was just a, such a blessing to me. So I do have a heart for children to empower and encourage children because they have experiences in school like bullying and, and different things that go on in their life and they need a Christian formation. They may not be able to call it Christian formation, right. but they can share their experiences and I can also can help them get unstuck. Yes, yes. which is a beautiful thing too. And if they get unstuck early, then yeah. their life just opens up all the more. Yes, and they can go to school and they can they can fulfill the call of God on their life without all this baggage. Can you imagine crossing the street and you got 10 bags? It's easy to cross the street when you got two. But when you got all these baggage of past hurts and pains and sorrow, it's hard to get across the yeah. street. It's a process to work through them. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. I sometimes wish it was just like snap your fingers. It was just kind of a moment, you know, like, and like, okay, I'm done with this. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think sometimes it takes a lifetime to kind of get on the other side of some of them or um, work through forgiveness things and things like That's that. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, it's an ongoing uh, and plus for, it's an ongoing process to forgive ourselves and to forgive others mm -hmm. because sometimes we have expectations that we have but because of other obligations it may not be the right timing to do a particular thing 
and we try to be all things to all people. That's why I keep it focused on a narrow road, reducing anxiety, and I don't mix groups. If most of the group are, are having issues like first ladies have their own issues they deal with, women in ministry, and they're women in ministry too, but I'm talking about lay people, mm -hmm. they have their particular ministry. Pastors have their own issues, you know, right. and so I try to uh, match the groups where it will maximize their potential and they'll be with people that can relate to them and identify with what's going on in their life. Right. They have their own little community as well. Yes. Of people yes. To help them grow. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Dorothy, for stopping by. Is there anything else you want to mention that I didn't know to ask? Well, if anyone's interested in getting in contact with me, they can reach me through um, my website, which is uh, drdorothy.org, uh, or they can reach me through um, email drdorothy dot at gmail.com drdorothy at gmail.com or they can call me at 859-907-6457 859-907-6457 and so you can always google and put uh, Dr. Dorothy Smith Hubbard and different events that I've done will, will pop up all right. Well, there you go. And we'll link all of this in the show notes for everybody to find as well okay. to be able to get in touch with you. Well, you know, it's so important for students that's coming to Asbury to reduce their anxiety so that they can be able to pick the subjects and go into the classroom in confidence. Oh, yes. And so I think this is very important that you're empowering them and encouraging them to continue to move forth in that process. Uh, and their calling. It's, I think it's impossible to make decisions when you're so anxious. It's hard to know yes. your own heart and yes. your own mind. Yes. Right. You got to make decisions from a position of peace yes. and not fear. Yes. Yes. So thank right. you, Dr. Dorothy, for stopping by today. It was so good to chat with you. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you for empowering other women like what a gift so i bless you to keep doing what you're doing and thank you well thank you heidi i appreciate the opportunity this has been a wonderful time for me as well well i'm so glad so thank you Hey y'all, thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Dr. Dorothy Smith Hubbard. Grateful for her work and today's conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well. In our next episode, Reverend Teddy Ray, lead pastor of Offerings First United Methodist Church in Lexington and co-owner of North Lime Donuts, joins us to talk about being called to love Jesus first and foremost and finding our second calling within community. New podcast episodes release every other week and you won't want to miss out. Subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at Asbury Seminary. Have a great day, y'all, and go do something that helps you thrive.